You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The dust has finally settled around the Chicago Bears 53-man roster and 10-man practice squad, and with their game against the Green Bay Packers coming up in just a few days, I talk roster and game preview as we get set to take on the Packers. It's all coming at you on this episode of Bear With Me. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, on the Windy City Gridiron Podcasting Network, where me, Lester Wiltfong, EJ Snyder, and Jeff Burkus try to bring you the best and most insightful Bears content that we possibly can on a week-to-week basis. Now, I'll be the first to tell you that the actual subject matter of this show is in a bit of flux, considering that, to my understanding, Bears Over Beers, with their deep dives and cool takes, is looking to take over the primary role of game preview on the podcasting network. Now, given that I do the five plays videos and other different analytical videos, I'm probably going to see if I can't transition into a night of morning after podcast that'll review the game that just happened. So at this point, just be on the lookout the day after the game for a short podcast for me going over what I just saw and a slight preview about what'll be coming up. Now, the preseason has been a little bit unusual because especially by the time we got to week four, it really didn't feel like there was a ton to analyze. And now we'll go over this when we talk practice squad a little bit. People like Jesper Horstead, even Tyler Bray, Thomas Ives having great games in that week four preseason game. But let's be honest, Bears fans, that's a game that you don't want to be playing in because if you're playing in it at all, your roster opportunities are a lot slimmer than the guys who are sitting on the bench. That's not to see the game doesn't matter or something like that. It just means that there's not near as much to analyze as there will be after Thursday night's contest against the Green Bay Packers. But I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. The point is the preseason finally wrapped up, which is great because storylines that needed a close, roster battles like what we had going on at tight end are resolved. And now we can take a look at the roster and effectively close the book on a lot of the storylines that had gotten people like me's attention. I'll be the first to say that guys like Ian Bunting, who, while he was picked up by the Jets for their practice squad, had stolen my heart, partially because he was getting opportunities that honestly just weren't near as important to the Bears more than likely as they were to fans like us, or me, for instance. To give an example of exactly what I mean, let's start with the tight ends. So the Bears kept Trey Burton, Adam Shaheen, Ben Broniker, and Bradley Soule. Now, what that looks like to me, given that they practice squatted Jesper Horstead and IR Dax Raymond, is that the most important thing to the Bears was a tight end's ability to block. Now, Ian Bunting immediately stole my heart, not only because he was a big guy at 6'7", or right around 250 pounds if memory serves, but also because he caught 77 yards in his first preseason game. That was 45% 
of the Bears passing yards that night. Admittedly, that's because we had a paltry 177 yards, but either way, it seemed significant to me. And he didn't really dominate in that aerial sense for the rest of the preseason. Now, I assumed that this was because the Bears had seen what they needed to see from the receiver bunting and just needed to see that he could serviceably block. As we can see from the Bears keeping Sowell and IRing Raymond and, and keeping Horstead around on the practice squad, that doesn't seem to be the case, as it certainly seems that this fifth tight end that ended up not being on the roster and they just ran with four needed to be a blocker first and foremost, and that they're confident in Trey Burton as their main U tight end and Ben Broniker as the backup U tight end, that they don't need a receiving tall tight end to play that Y spot. They need a blocker. Locker, first and foremost, it makes sense in that lens that they cut Bunting. Hopefully Bunting has a nice career, but I'm going to be honest. If he's not on the Bears, he's falling off of my radar a little bit. But the purpose of this story isn't to talk about a take that Robert Schmitz got wrong. It's to point out that the preseason can often lead fans down the wrong path as coaches unintentionally have a moment of sleight of hand where they don't make it absurdly obvious what they want out of a player and leave us fans to guess. Also leaving us to ask ourselves what we want in a player, and I know I, for one, am always looking for that tall, pass-catching tight end. It's just a personal favorite model of mine. But anyways, all that is to say that, again, while the preseason can often be fun to analyze, there is nothing that compares to analyzing real game tape, and we're about to get that in Thursday night's game. But before we get to that preview section of this podcast, let's take a look at the 53-man roster overall and talk about some of the guys that, from my understanding, have surprised Bears fans on their inclusions. Because as I've taken a couple of days to look over this roster, a lot of the names are starting to make more and more sense for different reasons. But let's get into it. We'll start with quarterbacks. Mitchell Trubisky and Chase Daniel made the team. That's obvious. We knew that was always going to be the plan. Let's just go ahead and move on. Next up, the four running backs we expected to make it, Tariq Cohen, David Montgomery, Mike Davis, and Kareth White, all made the team. That is four running backs. That's exactly what I talked about in my 53-man roster prediction. If you want the reasoning there, just go back and listen to that podcast. I explain it much better then. The Bears also cut Marvin Hall and stuck with the six wide receivers I thought that they would keep. That's Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, Anthony Miller, Javon Wims, Riley Ridley, and Cordero Patterson. So again, if you want more reasoning, feel more than free to go check out that podcast. We just talked about the tight ends, so I'll skip over them with Trey Burton, Adam Shaheen, Ben Broniker, and Bradley Sowell making the team. I'm still trying to break the habit on calling him Sowell. That's how I hear all the Bears-related people talk about him, even though it sure looks like Sowell. But anyways, pronunciation aside, the tight end position will be important, but we're just going to have to see th how things shake out, considering that between Burton's mysterious injuries that we do not need to discuss, Adam Shaheen's very colorful injury history, the experiment that is Bradley Sowell, and the a very athletic special teamer Ben Broniker, the Bears have an interesting tight end room that has some upside, but also has a lot of downside and potential for two of the four players to just be completely ineffective due to injury and another one to be ineffective due to inexperience. But again, we'll move past that because we've talked a lot about tight ends and I'm sure Bears fans, you've all heard just enough of the tight end scenario and you're ready to just watch things play out on the field. 
the offensive line had an interesting addition that nobody saw coming. Certainly I did not, as Charles Leno, Cody Whitehair, James Daniels, Kyle Long, and Bobby Massey all made the team. No surprise there. Ted Larson, main interior backup, made the team. Rashad Coward made the team. That's, for anybody who's curious, all because of prior experience and I believe top-end potential that Stand sees in Coward as a swing tackle. And then we had Cornelius Lucas, not Alex Bars, which I got to tell you, shocked me until it dawned on me. I think this is just because of week one needs. Rashad Coward's injury is going to keep him out of the Packers game. I will be shocked if he's able to play. So with that in mind, the Bears would be walking into week one without any swing tackle at all. And now maybe you trust Bars with it. I personally don't. While I love Bars as an interior backup, I love that we picked him up, and I am so, so glad he made the practice squad. You can't go into an NFL game without an NFL swing tackle. And Cornelius Lucas, as much as I hated him during the preseason, hated might be a bit strong, but have certainly been disappointed with his play, he's more NFL ready to play in a week one game where the Bears need a win against their bitter rivals, the Green Bay Packers, than Alex Bars did, whether I like it or not. Again, I think this move was all about NFL readiness and just being realistic, and then I also believe that the Bears caught a break when Bars fell back to the practice squad. A lot of Chicago fans have compared this to the Gentry situation of only so long ago, but I think this is a little different. Alex Bars has legitimate second or third round pedigree, according to most draft analysts, but he somehow went unclaimed. I really don't know how, because he looked great throughout the preseason. Maybe people just missed him, or maybe there is more interior backups than I'm thinking there are in the NFL, and teams felt comfortable rolling with who they had. But either way, I see this as a major win and a total pace knows more than I do moment that Bars was able to fall to the practice squad and the Bears got the best of both worlds. It was a scary couple of hours, 24 to be exact, but the Bears got their guy back in Alex Bars. That's really exciting. He looks like a piece to keep an eye on at both interior line and tackle. Probably more realistic as a guard going forward, given that, to my understanding, and a lot of this comes from I didn't play offensive line growing up, and I'm certainly not an offensive line coach, I understand that his wingspan isn't perfect for a tackle, which is why most people have projected him at interior in the NFL, but hey... If he can play swing tackle while also being a backup interior offensive lineman, that is great stuff for the Bears. So then, moving now to the defense, the Bears kept six interior defensive linemen, cutting Jonathan Bullard in favor of Abdullah Anderson. I didn't personally see this coming, but to be honest, I hadn't given a guy like Abdullah Anderson a ton of thought because I just didn't think that was going to happen. But hey, that's where it surprises me. Anderson, on review, had a pretty good preseason, and more importantly, he looked better than Bullard, who, as we talked about, really didn't do anything. No other surprises. Hicks, Goldman, Nichols, Robertson Harris, and Nick Williams all do what they do well. Hicks and Goldman obviously are a true starting two lineman, considering that the Bears really like playing nickel. Bilal Nichols is a nice fill-in lineman. Roy Robertson Harris is a great pass rushing interior defensive lineman. Needs to work on that down-to-down game, but that's for a different breakdown. And then Abdullah Anderson seems to be another space-eating run stuffer, but that's all going off the top of my head. Not a ton of analysis there. You don't need to quote me on that. 
at outside linebacker, the Bears went in a different direction than I thought they would in that they only kept four instead of five. We have Khalil Mack, Leonard Floyd, Aaron Lynch, and Isaiah Irving. If you ask me, that's the most obvious group of outside linebackers that you could go with, and I do think it's the smartest because, as I've shared before, I think that James Vauders made a ton out of his opportunities, but those opportunities were coming as much based on sheer luck and opposing mistakes as they were off of him making a play when a play was right there in front of him. One thing that I think an outside linebacker absolutely has to be able to do when they are rushing the passer is beat an offensive tackle, and I really feel like Vauders maybe did that once. His final strip sack that turned into a touchdown, Vauders was able to actually beat his offensive tackle again off of getting chipped, but a whole bunch of his other sacks have come from just basically getting let through the line for one reason or another. Whether he's coming off of a stunt or the offensive lineman in front of him doesn't pick him up, He's that kind of guy, very similar to Bilal Nichols last year, who caught quite a few breaks throughout the year. That's not a problem for Vodders. Certainly, I'm not dinging him for that. I'm just saying that his production that looked Herculean in the preseason doesn't actually match up with how he likely will play in the NFL, and you know that because he's not beating those preseason offensive tackles. In fact, he'd often get thrown on the ground, but that's neither here nor there. The Bears keep, I think, the four guys who make the most sense. And again, Mac, obviously he's staying on the team, as is Floyd. Aaron Lynch played in that fourth preseason game, which is pretty curious, but he stuck around because certainly there was no better option. And then Isaiah Irving not only has value on special teams, in fact, he was one of the blocks that allowed Kareth White to run for that touchdown earlier in, I believe that was preseason game two, but... He's got special teams value. He's been around the team for quite a while. We know what he can do. He's reliable at stuffing the run on the edge. Not great at it, but certainly better than Kylie Fitz, who was not, in fact, brought back to the practice squad at all. So that's likely the last we'll see of him. But I think the Bears made the right call here. Inside linebacker is very interesting because the Bears kept Roquan Smith, Danny Trevathan, Nick Kwiatkowski, and Joel Iebuniway, but they also kept Josh Woods and Kevin Pierre-Lewis. Now, KPL had a very solid preseason, looking exactly like we would expect him to. Decent special teams inside linebacker who contributes in that third phase as well as a linebacker that can be assignment sound, uh, so he was likely making the team, and we kind of knew that. Josh Woods, on the other hand, is quite the surprise, given that you would usually think that five inside linebackers is plenty, but the Bears kept a sixth around, and I think it's four special teams, because Josh Woods was all over the field. He actually looked pretty good throughout the preseason, even though he would often play in that first half and also play deep in the second half. He was responsible for the fumble in Game 1 that James Vauders was able to recover, and tracked sideline to sideline pretty well. But remember, if you can track sideline to sideline outstandingly well in the NFL, you're either Joel E.A. Booneyway, who can do that great. He's just got massive problems in tons of other places in his game, or you're Roquan Smith, and you're coming out in the first round. Inside linebackers are weird that way. If you've got that much speed, and you're also good at the other foundational parts of being an inside linebacker, you're likely going to get drafted at a pretty decent spot, 
or you're going to beat somebody like Danny Trevathan, who actually doesn't have near the foot speed that somebody like Roquan Smith does, but he plays so well off of intuition, play recognition, and understanding, and instincts. Oh, those instincts for Danny Trevathan that he's able to make plays. But anyways, let's keep talking about these bottom of the roster guys. Kwiatkowski, in my opinion, I was kind of on the fence about whether he should make the team at all until I recognized his value next to Roquan Smith. If Danny Trevathan, who is another guy on the Bears with a colorful injury history, goes down, you want Kwiatkowski taking on those blockers. Roquan Smith does not do that well. You need to leave him clean so that he can make plays in space, which is obviously where he's good. Kwiatkowski is a great block soaker. He's very good against the run, and he's who you would likely want standing next to Roquan Smith. EA Booneyway is, in my opinion, still on this team because he's too high a draft pick to cut. He obviously has skill in coverage. He's clearly quick, but gosh, I don't know how to describe this other than to say he kind of just doesn't look like a football player yet. He'll make these occasional splash plays like the sack that we saw against the Colts where, in case you didn't see it, EA Booneyway ran downhill, blasted the running back. The running back then stumbled three steps and fell on his butt before EA Booneyway burst forward again and sacked the quarterback. But he also had plenty of different snaps throughout the game where he would rush downhill and either hit somebody too high or just lose the ball carrier altogether. And even Chad Kelly was able to juke him out of his shoes, basically, and run right around him for a first down. Not what you want out of an inside linebacker. He is still clearly in that project category, and I think it's a big part of why the Bears kept six inside linebackers, because I think they're actually only confident with five, and that they wanted to keep Woods around for the future. Regardless, keeping all six inside linebackers is certainly an unusual strategy, but the only way we're really going to know whether it works or not is by watching the Bears throughout this season, and obviously that's exactly what we're all going to do anyways, so we'll reevaluate at the end of the year. Cornerback and safety played out exactly like I thought they would, with Kyle Fuller, Prince Mukamura, Buster Screen, Duke Shelley, and Kevin Tolliver making the team at cornerback. If that feels a little bit light, go back and listen to my podcast again on the 53-man roster prediction because that's got all the reasoning you're going to need. And then at safety, we've got everybody we expected too with Eddie Jackson, HaHa Clinton Dix, Deion Bush, Sherry McManus, and DeAndre Houston Carson. Both of those back two guys providing value at both safety, namely DHC, who's a better safety than Sherrick McManus is, but mostly special teams value, who if the Bears are going to make a Super Bowl push, you had better believe that they're going to need special teamers. DHC and McManus are both great ones. Now, obviously, no NFL roster is complete without also mentioning its practice squad where the Bears kept Alex Bars by the grace of God. Thank heavens we kept Bars around. I love this kid. I can't wait to see him develop. I think he has legitimate potential starter in him if he's able to fully recover from that injury and continue his development. The Bears kept Steven Denmark around, former seventh-round pick who did pretty much nothing throughout the preseason and practices in general. He was injured from literally the second training camp practice I went to, which was the second public training camp practice on throughout the rest of the year. So, yeah, he was getting through waivers. Easy add back to the practice squad. He needs it coming out of Valdosta State. Bears kept Ryan Null. 
neat. Don't really have a whole lot of analysis there. Uh, they kept Tyler Bray, who played his butt off in the last two games of the preseason. But either way, we always knew he was going to be QB3. They kept Sam Mustafer, which I think is nice and savvy. Keep around that potential center that you might need should you end up in a pinch. You probably don't want Alex Bars playing center. Center's not easy. They kept Jesper Horstead, who really distinguished himself in preseason games three and four, especially four where he looked like a dominator. They kept Michael Joseph. I That's going to be on the defensive back coaching staff because I didn't really see a lot in Joseph. I saw a lot of inconsistency. What I really saw personally, the more that I watched these guys, was that Clifton Duck was a feisty guy, clearly spirited, clearly wants it, quote unquote, but I just don't think he had it. He made that nice play, the interception in game two two of the preseason, but I just didn't see enough pass breakups. I didn't see enough sticky coverage to really warrant a spot on that practice squad. And then John Franklin obviously is oozing with athleticism. And I say that because if you watch the guy, he's clearly fast, but he looks very similar to EA Booneyway in that he looks way more athletic than he does good at football. And with the Bears being where they are, I think they wanted to keep around a corner that they kind of liked. And I've heard that Bears players talk about Michael Joseph in different interviews here and there. He got mentioned by Prince of Mukamura uh, pretty recently when asked about which guys he liked. So I think that Michael Joseph got the nod primarily due to practice plays that weren't on display in the preseason. But hey, truth be told, it's a spot on the practice squad and he's the defensive back that's there. Good for you, Michael. Thomas Ives really distinguished himself all throughout camp. He's a bigger guy out of Colgate University, catches the ball well, made a whole lot of plays throughout the preseason. I think this is a practice squad spot that was very, very well earned by Ives. Uh, I'm not surprised that nobody picked him up. I'm just glad that he stuck around with the Bears. James Vauders also earned his practice squad spot. And while you may be thinking, well, Robert, weren't you just ragging on him in the outside linebacker section? That's only because we're talking about those critical 53 spots on the roster, and I didn't think that Vauders was ready yet to produce at an NFL level. Now, sticking around, that's different. He clearly made way more plays than Kylie Fitz, whether or not some of them were sort of just gifted to him. He turned them into strip sacks. He turned some of them into touchdowns. I mean, he made plays all over the place. I think that that's worth rewarding. And then the Bears also kept around Jonathan Harris, who, truth be told, I don't know a ton about. I'm just excited we didn't keep Take one, Mizell. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
And that, Bears fans, is the 53-man roster and 10-man practice squad that we're bringing into our battle with the Green Bay Packers on Thursday night. And it's kind of crazy to think about it. We have finally navigated the entire offseason. I know I've said that a couple of times on the podcast, but this is real. In a couple of days' time, we're going to have our first result of the 2019 Chicago Bears season. And should it be what we certainly hope it'll be, a win, that is going to be a phenomenal start to what should be a crazy 2019 season. One way or another, this season is going to be wild. Whether somebody gets hurt and it derails the entire season, knocking on wood here, Bears fans, or the Bears go on a crazy run and win a whole bunch of football games, this is going to be something to follow. This isn't the John Fox era. This isn't the Mark Trestman era. This is a Matt Nagy era led by Ryan Pace that led the Bears to 12-4 and last year with a first-round exit that obviously broke all of our hearts. This is a big year. I cannot wait to get it started. Let me be crystal clear. I don't have a ton to say about Thursday night's game in terms of a preview. Maybe you saw it recently on Windy City Gridiron, but I posted a satirical preview from the perspective of a made-up Packers fan criticizing the Bears for a whole litany of things, because if I'm honest with you, that's as close to a real preview as I could get. Yes, I could talk about how excited I am about the 2019 Chicago Bears offense. Yes, I could talk about how I don't think that the Bears are due to regress near as much as a whole lot of people think they are, that regression is likely due to things like injury, and I do think that the Bears will take a modest step back in terms of defensive efficiency with Chuck Pagano. I think we'll make more big plays. I think we're going to suffer more big plays against us. But to cut to the chase... Every single one of these thoughts that I have is something that I am thinking at the moment and not something that I know. This isn't something that is a week-to-week trend because the season hasn't started yet. I don't know who the Packers are defensively because I've only seen them line up in the preseason. Goodness knows they could show up on Thursday night with Adrian Amos sitting back at single high free safety and I could lick my chops saying the Bears are going to gut this guy. Or they could stick Darnell Savage back there just like they've been doing all throughout the preseason and play Adrian Amos just where he likes to be, right up near the line of scrimmage, maybe 10 to 15 yards deep, and I look at myself and say, oh, okay. So Amos isn't actually going to get sold out by Mike Pettin. He's actually using him as he's supposed to. And at that point, who knows? Maybe Adrian Amos comes out and has a massive playmaking season. I doubt it because he never did it for Chicago and he certainly had his chances. But we don't know yet because he's on a different team and things change. I don't have any idea how efficient or effective Preston Smith or Zadarius Smith are going to be. I know that Zadarius Smith had a really nice eight-sack breakout season last year, but can he sustain that momentum in a Packers uniform? How about Preston Smith, who's always been right on the cusp of being really good, but instead seems to sit in that good category, going eight sacks his rookie year, then four and a half sacks his sophomore season, eight sacks the year after that, and then four sacks last year. He's clearly a good linebacker. He's even got four interceptions in his career. But is he that great pass rusher that the Packers need? I don't know. The stats suggest he's not. But we'll have to see when he gets to line up next to Zadarius Smith. And can Massey and Leno handle it? Well, certainly they might be able to, but football Ultimately, and this is probably the best way to sum up how I feel about this game, is a sport driven by having a small sample size. The truth is that the Bears and the Packers could line up and play this game 10 weeks in a row, and I 
personally, based on what I know of the Bears, would win it seven times or more. My money's even on eight times. But is this going to be one of those eight times on Thursday night? Again, I hope so, but I can't say for certain. For all I know, Aaron Rodgers is ready to play the game of his life and shows up with quick snappy passes and Aaron Jones runs over the Bears and we end up in a really tight-fisted game that looks like it's going to be more of an offensive shootout than any of us predicted. And hopefully in that case, the Bears will win, say, 31-28, to but I don't know because the game hasn't happened yet. So here I sit, as a Bears fan, talking to other Bears fans, saying that should things go the way I have predicted the game, I think the Bears will take this one nice and easy, 31-13, in a game where their emotion regarding last year's embarrassing start to the season will dictate that they must, must win this game, and they go out, they bring everything that they have against the Packers, and they just demolish them on both offense and defense that they start fast with another nice little Matt Nagy script that's going to net them a quick 10 to 14 points, and then they go out on defense and they shut down the Pack's attack, even restricting Aaron Rodgers such that maybe they make him move a little bit, maybe they take away his movement and just force him to throw to guys that aren't covered. I don't know what Pagano wants to do. He's probably going to bring the pressure, and certainly I hope that our corners are able to blanket their guys because Aaron is certainly not one to shy away from the blitz, so the the Bears will have to be ready for that. Or maybe Pagano knows that and he just wants to sit back in coverage. Again, we don't know because we haven't seen him. The Packers don't quite have enough of an identity to really get a deep preview. It's just a bunch of guesstimation. But more importantly, the Bears could go out and do everything that they want to. They could play the dream game and they could win it big. But the Packers have a ton to lose in this game. If they don't win this game, their season starts on the wrong foot. And it's already, in my opinion, trending in the wrong direction, given that Matt LaFleur, the new head coach, and Aaron Rodgers seem to be, if we read the subtext of the situation, not getting along swimmingly. It's not to say that things are going south. It's more to say that they could go south. And if they lose this first game of the year, especially if they lose it big to a hated rival in that rival's hometown while on national television, let's just say it could get their relationship off to a quick rocky start in an NFL that isn't very forgiving and every single other team is also going to try to capitalize on any fray in the relationship and take advantage of what could very well be a Packers offense that stumbles a little bit as it tries to figure out what it's good at. Suffice to say, I'm outstandingly excited for this football game. I think that there are a lot of amazing things that could happen. I can't wait to watch David Montgomery and Mitch Trubisky to see how these guys have grown and what they're going to be able to do with this Bears offense, as well as guys like Allen Robinson, who looks like he's ready to dominate whoever the tight end that's playing is, because again, Burton's status is up in the air. I would love to see Anthony Miller. I know that he also is struggling with a couple of different injuries, and I'm willing to be patient with him because Robinson looked that dominant in camp, and I just can't wait to see what he's able to do. I'm excited to see the defense. I'm just excited to see the Bears play again because between you and me, whoever's listening, I have started to forget that the 2018 Bears were just last year and have almost started treating them like some sort of golden historical team because of how much film I've watched of them. I have almost memorized all of those games just from how often I've watched them and it's crazy to me to think that in only a few days we're finally going to get exactly the game we've been waiting for and again, I just can't wait to watch it. 
that, Bears fans, is all I have for you. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this show, please, whether you're on iTunes or Spotify or however you're listening, rate us five stars, leave a comment telling us what you like, what you didn't. Those comments always help us not only make sure that we're getting the word out to as many Bears fans as possible because every review helps promote the show, but also let us know where we can improve, how we can make our content better for you. If you like what I have to say personally, feel free to check me out on Twitter at Robert K. Schmitz. That's R-O-B-E-R-T-K-S-C-H-M-I-T-Z. Or on YouTube by searching the same name, just without the K. So Robert Schmitz, where you can find different breakdowns that I'm consistently trying to post. Certainly trying to do one every week of this NFL season, uh, where I'll try to cover big plays of the game to check how they swing each game that occurs. Thank you so much for listening, Bears fans. Bear down, and thanks so much for bearing with me. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs, you might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio, a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per-pixel control. Dev teams, you get a zero-setup, developer-first environment combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features.